the wind just constantly seems to be head on or sideways. Any tips for riding in the wind? Turn right instead of left and you're going to have a tailwind. <laughs> it's episode 558 of the Romance Cyclone podcast and we're back again for newbie questions. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness and our longevity? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Hey Sarah, welcome back. Welcome back to you. I've been here all along. <laughs> welcome back, Anthony. Things are a bit higgledy-piggledy the last few weeks. Yeah, you were exploring Europe in a camper van. Oh, I had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's the way. It's it's the biz. How are you feeling after this chamois time tour? This isn't going to become a regular thing now, is it? Well, I don't know. I haven't quite moved away from the camper van yet because my credit card was down as the deposit. Oh. <laughs> and? And did you break a hob? Did you tear a hole in the side <laughs> of the van? Yeah, let's just say the van was returned in not as good condition as it was picked up in Busher. Like that's what it, that's what insurance is for, isn't it? It's a big yoke. They're absolutely huge to drive. And it's the first time me and Sarah have recorded newbie questions not in the same location, which is mm. uh, interesting. Mm, yeah, I can see you, but <laughs> yeah, it's odd. So at least I'm not sitting in the dog bed. I'm on a on a chair today. I'm down in my mom's house, house sitting and dog sitting. So and a uh, big shout out to Icelandic Air because our bag still hasn't arrived from Iceland a full two months later. <laughs> That's your job to chase that up. So back to the chamois time tour. How are you recovering after? I'm pretty much perfect. Uh, I, I'm going to do a hard session today for the first time uh, this evening. I'm going to do a Zwift 10 mile TT. So I'm saying I'm fully recovered, but you know, one mile into that 10 mile TT, the wheels could come off completely and yeah, I could have a different story next time I'm on the podcast. But for now, I'm going to say I feel pretty good. I think it was something that you and Aaron were talking about when you got home was, you know, how do we manage this kind of come down from such extreme pressures on our bodies for the last two and a half, three weeks? And then, you know, is it more dangerous to come to a complete standstill with it? Or do you just kind of tip away or, you know, because potentially you could get very, very sick. Yeah, we went with uh, three and a half hour. Well, I, at least I went with a three and a half hours the day I got home, three hours the day after, 60 minutes the day after, and then a day off. And it was kind of like, I, my theory was like, it's kind of like, I'm comparing myself to a Ferrari. It's like a Ferrari coming back <laughs> through the gears. You don't want to stop in fifth gear. Jeez, I wouldn't call you a Ferrari now. I don't know what kind of a car you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there um, alright so it was a big week anyway in Cyclone wasn't it what do you think of the worlds and Aramco Avonapol it was a bit shit uh, I think you know I know you want to talk about the radios and maybe that was one of the reasons it was a little bit shit but I'm not sure how I had a podcast on Monday which you probably didn't listen to Sarah with Joe Laverick where we kind of unpacked the worlds and we're just not sure how anyone let Remco Evnepal slide into a move that early in the race with teammates. And the race was effectively over once he got into that break. And it made for, like, you could have turned off the race with like 20 kilometers remaining and you knew the result. Well, that's what I did. I stopped watching with about 25k to go. I was just like, yeah, it's, it's sewn up here. And then you called me in for the sprint. It was a bit of a letdown, wasn't it, after all the kind of build up. 
um, around it. It was interesting with the kind of, you know, people still vying for points, you know, people who were you know, really chasing those points for their trade teams, you know, fighting re- relegation. But that really was about it. Also, I thought Australia was a terrible venue. Uh, mm. You know, I know Australia's hosted some cool events in the past, but the crowds just really didn't get behind it the way we've seen crowds getting behind the worlds, especially European mm. worlds like the Belgium one last year. And the viewing times for this part of the world are just absolutely shocking. So I don't know if that needs to be looked at as well, like the distribution of where's the majority of viewers coming from. That coupled with the really, really poor turnout from spectators it didn't feel like a world. So it felt like a you know, a local Saturday race or something. Yeah, you could be getting a lot of grief about that. I mean, like we do need to spread the love of the worlds all around the world. It's not just the epicenter of cycling, which is kind of Europe. So yeah, I get what you're saying. It was a little bit kind of, it was, there was, wasn't as much atmosphere. It didn't seem, it was pretty damp, wasn't it? Like we had worlds in Doha a few years ago and it was like absolutely tragic. I think any reasonable person will agree the world should never go back to (laughs) Qatar again. It was like one lad and his dog out watching the race and they were, the lad and the dog were inconvenienced by being there. (laughs) They happened upon it. He wasn't even out to watch the thing. The the reason I want to chat about the, um, the radios is that the UCI basically, you know, I've got a big problem with the UCI. The more the more investigation I do into this crowd, the more confusing and the more problems I seem to have with them. But they basically don't allow radios in the world champs or in the Olympics. And this, that's fair enough. But if you're not going to allow the riders to have radios, then at least have a system where communication of the time gaps is clear and trustworthy. That that seemed to be a big problem. The guy on the bike holding up the chalkboard apparently was, I don't know, he was pissed or high or something, but there was no information getting back to the peloton as to Remco's break, you know, how far ahead he was. This is all information that the riders need, you know. Bling Matthews said that he came up in the last kilometre of the race and was like, I don't know, are we sprinting here? What's the crack? Like, is there a couple of people ahead of us? Are we, you know, would we be sprinting for 20th? And it wasn't until he saw the French team lining out that he's like, oh, okay, it's on. And he kind of got himself together. But yeah, apparently the UCI are, they're sticking firmly to their guns and it's going to be no radio. So no radios, they need to, they need to up their game with, uh, you know, getting people who are more, you know, they've got more experience with doing these time checks and communicating it to the different groups on the road. But also riders, I'm maybe a little bit sitting on the opposite side of the debate on this one because the lack of race radios makes for normally super interesting racing because we see breakaways caught with military precision when they have race radios. They know exactly what speed the breakaway is doing. The directors are communicating what speed they need to do to catch the break. The drama is like largely gone out of those breakaways and grand tours because they always get caught because the race radios are giving them such accurate information. We don't have race radios at amateur level. You have to figure out the race yourself. A part of the skill of racing is being upfront and being attentive and knowing what groups are going. And this is a skill that all these, these are the best bike riders in the world. They all had this skill at one point, but now okay. there's so many years in the world tour, like robots, like not knowing what's going on in the race because their directors are saying to them, like now is the time to move up. Now is a dangerous time. Now is the time to be attentive. Now is the time to chill. They lose the ability to independently think. Now the gaps, I think is a separate issue. Like that should be communicated from 
like you know uh, UCI or race commissars like having the chalkboards and stuff accurate because that was just impossible to figure out what was going on even as a spectator it was hard to know the gaps in between the groups so I think they're two maybe slightly different issues you're totally right with the UCI having accurate gaps but the race radios it didn't on this occasion lead to more exciting racing but in the past I think if you looked at you know a number of races with and without radios without radios can create some real carnage that leads to real drama and really good entertainment for viewers yeah i guess like if you're riding along and you literally have as i always say your boss in your ear it's gonna change how you react or when you react you know you're gonna be listening to that person um another um another update on the uci debacle that is the relegation um Basically, David, help me out with the pronunciation of a surname, Anthony. I can never get this right. I'm not brilliant either, but I would go with David instead of David because he's French. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. La partie, la The UCI head. Yeah, we'll just call him David Lap. We'll call him David Lap. Basically, they yeah. So and I'll ask you the <laughs> questions. <here. laughs> In our last new questions, we said that it seemed that the UCI were kind of rowing back on this relegation fight. The teams at the bottom got together and basically, in my opinion, came together and said, we're going to see your asses unless this is, becomes a little bit more transparent. They're sticking with the current system for this cycle. And then next cycle, they said that which starts this, you know, the next season, they're going to become a little bit more transparent and teams are going to be going to know where they stand, you know, as the kind of season rolls along. So no changes. And as it stands at the moment, Lotto Sudal and Israel Premier Tech are probably going to be losing their place in the World Tour grouping. Sarah, I know you're keen to jump into newbie questions, but before we jump yeah. into that, uh, did you see Chris Froome getting doored in Monaco? I didn't. <laughs> Chris Froome, I don't know. Like, he's very unlucky, isn't he? He's very, I don't know, bad things seem to happen. What, what is it you would say? Bad things happen to Fred's? Do you think you could call Chris Froome a Fred? No, absolutely not. Like, he's won the tour five times. <laughs> we had this conversation, newbie questions, probably about three months ago, where you were like, if anyone gets doored, it's their own problem. A question came in from a newbie cyclist saying, you know, how do I avoid getting doored? And you were like, if that happens to you, you've effing deserve it you deserve to go down you deserve your bike to be smashed you deserve to break every bone in your body and now Froomey's done it I don't think I was that strong on it now but uh, <laughs> yeah Froomey's asking people to use the Dutch reach to open the door which is basically opening the door with your opposing hand so if the door is on the left you're opening it with your right hand which forces you to turn your body plus you can't open the door very far that's all well and good. But like I said that time, doors aren't variable lengths. Like the door opens to a maximum width of the door. It doesn't open like the length of a door and then extend by a meter. He didn't get doored by the Back to the Future door that came at him from a funny angle. So it's like... I don't agree with that. Sometimes you just have to ride really close to parked cars because of oncoming traffic or you know loads of other things that might happen okay look we're we won't fall out over this and move on to newbie questions (laughs) (laughs) anthony winter on the way and the mantra that cyclists have it's raining we're training you always say that i'm like it's lashing out you're not going out in that and you're like yeah it's raining we're training sarah and why should i go out in the rain in winter when i really enjoy zwift and don't mind training indoors on a turbo trainer I think don't stay indoors on the turbo trainer. Yeah, uh, me too. It's hard to do a long endurance ride on the turbo trainer, but if you're, I've had teammates who've been able to do six hour rides on the turbo trainer. Like 
okay, it, it is a good occasionally to go out in the rain. You're going to race in the rain occasionally. And if you don't know how to go around corners in the rain, descend in the rain, dress yourself for the rain. If you're scared of the rain and you think it's some sort of acid that's going to melt you, all these are going to be problems. <laughs> but, you know, it's not the worst thing. I'm going to train on the turbo tonight because it's raining here. But I think it does, as you said, it's a skill thing, isn't it? Like we, we saw a lot of, I mean, after lockdown was lifted, the racing started again. There was a lot of crashes, even in pro peloton and the female pro peloton in local races, things like that. And everyone was blaming the Zwift culture and the fact that people had completely lost all of their bike handling skills. So I think a mix, I think a mix is healthy. Okay. Which is better, Anthony, Shimano, Shram, or Campanalo? Campagnolo. Oh my God, you're so bad. Campagnolo. (laughs) Well, I don't think I'll ever have to worry about owning a Campag. I just think that's way beyond me. Uh, What is better, Shimano? Shimano is better. Now, there's a purist will say that they won't want gears from a company that also makes fishing reels, which Shimano do. But that's the Campagnola snobs. There's a diehard group of people that love Campag. Almost no one loves SRAM. SRAM is quite functional and SRAM Red is a cool product, but almost no one loves that. There is some diehard Campag fans out there and it is a nice product, especially their Eckhart gravel group sets real cool. But most people seem to be in the Shimano camp and the Durace and GRX gravel DI2 or apart from my experiences, they are phenomenal group sets. Okay, question three. Anthony, I live in a coastal area and the wind just constantly seems to be head on or sideways. Any tips for riding in the wind, both on my own and when I'm in a group? This is a good question. This is a skill. Turn right instead of left and you're going to have a tailwind. <laughs> this is a good, this is a really good question. Riding in the wind is really tough. You know, riding in a group, there's some real cute feckers in our group now and they know how to ride in the crosswinds. They don't even get their little noses cold with the, you know, with the skills of riding in the wheels. I think a cool app to use is Windy, W-I-N-D-Y. And there's a free version of it and a paid version of it where you can look at the route you're planning to take and it plots the wind direction against that. It's something we use every day over in Spain. But it's always nice to finish a group ride or a solo ride into a tailwind rather than into a headwind because it's, you know, you're a bit harder, morale's a bit lower. So you want to plot a route ideally where you're going out into the headwind and back into the tailwind. So using the Windy app to uh, plot that route before you go is a really cool little tip okay but then what other tips for when you're in the group or what about getting down on your drops does that help like getting yourself a little bit more aero like a little bit i'd be aware of what way the wind is coming from most people are totally oblivious as to why it's just got so hard like you're looking at visual prompts to see which way the wind is coming from how the wind has changed because the road is unless you're riding in north america which is like totally north south east west roads that are grid like in ireland uk mainland europe roads are quite twisty because we built roads around obstacles rather than having the tech to just blast straight through them so the roads are quite twisty so you're constantly changing direction 
direction. So as the road constantly changes direction, constantly be making that assessment as which way is the wind coming from. And the best way to figure that out is visual prompts like looking at grass, looking at flags blown, looking at t-shirts blown on clotheslines to see where the wind is coming from and then positioning yourself slightly in the sheltered section. Obviously, it's super easy to figure that out. If it's like a block headwind, riding in behind a rider is going to help. If the wind is coming totally off your left shoulder, riding to the right is going to help. But they're absolute cases. Most of the time, the wind is coming from a combination of front and side. So you're trying to figure out exactly where that sweet spot is to get the best protection and the visual prompts are the best way to find that out. Okay, I want to move on to Tech Corner, Anthony, and Anna-Monique Van Vluten. She was fined last week at the Worlds because her sock height was too high. Now, I've covered the, again, my favourite topic given out about the UCI and their ridiculous sock uh, rules in a previous podcast. And pictures of Anna-Monique, you can see she is basically wearing football socks. Like, it's practically touching her knee. So she was fined for that. And um, yeah, but... I have been researching new socks and there's a company called Soka Loon and they claim to have created the fastest sock on the planet. So these are the most aero socks that are available at the moment. They are basically made to measure custom aero socks and they match the rider's foot along with the length and the diameter of the calf to ensure the absolute perfect fit. I have a picture of them up in front of me here. There's three different versions. One have kind of like ribs, one have dimples, and then the other ones are completely smooth and they've got like a zip up the back so you can pop them on. Guess how much a pair of these aero socks are. Like a lot, the fact that you've brought it up. Gotta say a couple of hundred. 1,000 euro per pair. Like, is this the most ridiculous sport in the world or what? I don't, that's just absolute nuts to me. Who's paying that? At the rate you lose socks as well, it like, wouldn't be a good investment. <laughs> but anyway, you should go and check them out online. They're, um, the company is a small Dutch firm and they don't have very many customers, believe it or not. They're very, very <laughs> specialised. <laughs> not a lot so of call good. for Tales Zero Socks. <laughs> Soka Loon. So yeah, go and check them out. It's absolutely brilliant. In other news, Cervelo has issued an immediate stop ride notice, a mandatory recall to customers who own one of a selection of its OR5 and Caledonia 5 road bike models. There's a problem with a thing called a faceplate. I've no idea what that is, but it's something on the stem, Anthony. Maybe you can uh, shed a little bit of light on that. Basically, the handlebars slip. I can't. And it's also quite worrying because I ride a Cervelo R5. So I will need to look at that. (laughs) Yeah. So basically the handlebars are slipping and there's been 13 reports of handlebars and people getting injured due to this fault. So uh, watch out everybody. And then before we finish up, I want to give a shout out to cool Irish company, 51 bikes. They have a really cool gravel bike called the Assassin, but they dropped one the other day and I commented on it underneath saying, if Batman rode a bike, specifically a gravel bike, this will be it it's like black on black and it's super super cool so if uh, batman is listening and you are looking for a bike <laughs> definitely go and check that one out hit 51 up that is a very i think we're allowed to say it. it's a sexy bike i know you're not supposed to find inanimate objects sexy but that is hot <laughs> uh, sarah thanks for tuning in from the the wilds of uh kildare for our podcast the bog the bog the bog <laughs> You're very welcome and I'll chat to everybody again tomorrow. Cheers, folks.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.